Welcome back to the Scarlet Fever, the Daily Nebraskans' own sports podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Meyer. Alongside with me, as always, is my co-host, Anthony Rubeck. Thank you so much for joining us. Anthony, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's been a nice bye week, yeah. just focusing away from Nebraska football. Absolutely. Uh, it is bye week, so unfortunately we don't have an opponent preview this week. But that's not going to stop us from diving into all things Husker football, reflecting a little bit on this bye week, what the Illinois win meant and how big that win that was for the program, as well as looking forward to the rest of the season. But we'll start it off with the best thing we saw in Nebraska athletics this week. Anthony, I'll throw it over to you. You can go ahead and start. All right. Uh, my apologies if I pronounce the name wrong, but I believe it's Shanga Bashke, okay. uh, a sophomore gymnast for the Huskers. She recently just qualified for the 2024 Olympics in mm-hmm. Paris. She finished eighth in the vault event at the Artistic World Gymnastics Championships. And yeah, she'll be representing her home country of Hungary. Uh, next year in Paris, so yeah, that's just a that's great awesome. honor. I saw the video. Uh, I think they surprised her. Um, oh, I'm not sure where it was, but the whole team surprised her. I saw the video of that on social media. Huge moment for her. Um, awesome. You love to see that. Hopefully, we'll be having a uh, profile story on her coming out pretty soon here on the site. Uh, mine is the Volleyball Day episode of The Place uh, from Nebraska Athletics social team. I don't know if you saw this on YouTube, but what an, a creative um, cin- cinematic experience this was. I mean, it really dove into the nitty gritty of what Nebraska Volleyball Day meant for so many people. And I hadn't really, I guess, felt the impact across the state. Obviously, the moment was big, and it was awesome to see all those fans in one place, kind of the fanfare of Nebraska athletics. But the impact that it kind of had for people all over the state, the coolest thing that stood out to me was they were talking to some you know, you know, know, young girls who love the sport of volleyball. And I hadn't thought about this as, you know, as for boys, oftentimes your, your heroes on the Nebraska football team, you can go watch. I hadn't really considered that sometimes for these young Nebraska volleyball players, there's not an opportunity to go see their idols at Devaney because the tickets are so expensive and there's so few of them. So to get to finally see their heroes in live action was, must've been an awesome moment um, that really reflected across the state, across the country and the world, even for the sport of volleyball. Uh, if you haven't seen that episode of The Place, go check it out. It was an incredible cinematic experience from start to finish with some great testimonial from players, coaches, and, and kind of people that just put the team, uh, put the event together. Let's dive in to this bye week, Anthony. Um, coming off a huge, huge win over Illinois. Up next is Northwestern. They've got a little bit of time. You went to Matt Rule's press conference this week. What were kind of some of your big takeaways from that? Yeah, obviously the big uh, takeaway rule started out saying that Marcus Washington mm. will be out for the remainder of the season with the torn ACL. Just Huge another blow. hit for the offense. I mean, just this year we've had Xavier Betts leave the team before the season started. We had the Eric Gilbert off the field issues. And then injury-wise, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda mm. torn ACL game one. Ramir Johnson and Gabe Irvin both go down. <laughs> Incredible. And then, of course, with Jeff Sims battling injuries um, throughout the last month, just another tough blow for the offense. Really calls on freshman receivers like Malachi Coleman, mm-hmm. Jalen Lloyd, Jaden Doss, a lot earlier than expected. So it's not the uh, most optimistic <laughs> no, outlook going into it. but 
I mean, man, it, it's that's incredible, right? Mm-hmm. The amount of injuries they've faced in a, in a season that was already low on depth in the wide receiver room. It's a, I mean, it's incredible that this team has a chance to push for a bowl game with the amount of injuries they've had on offense. I wanted to touch on this a little later, but I guess I'll just talk about it now. The fact that the offensive line has arguably been the most consistent, healthy unit on the offense this season, uh, that is never a good sign after what we've seen in past years from Nebraska's offensive line. So honestly, miracle work if Nebraska's able to push for a bowl game this season. But what a huge blow. He had that amazing catch, and it was almost like, okay, is the offense finally going to put it together? He goes out to play later on blocking for a run, and the ball didn't even come close to him. So brutal injury. It almost brings into question of was the conditioning right during the season, or is this just kind of a fl- or during the off season, or was this this just kind of a fluke? That'll remain to be seen in the future. But uh, any bi- any other big takeaways you got from Rule on Tuesday? Uh, yeah, he was very. Um, he's been talking about this for weeks now, but. Um, about the turnover margin. Mm-hmm. Nebraska hasn't had a positive turnover margin since 2016. Coincidentally, the last time they made a bowl game. <laughs> uh, but uh, overall, against Illinois, the defense made some strides, finally forcing some turnovers on their end. But they were, also took a step back as the offense turned the ball over, something that they hadn't really been doing much the previous three weeks. Mm-hmm. So just a lot of... The offense needs to fix their problems, and the defense just needs to keep on adding to the turnover now that they got a couple mm-hmm. big ones in their last game. game. Right. It, it is incredible. I, they're not going to be getting that plus turnover margin this year after <laughs> already having 13 on the season. But the ineptitude with which this offense moves the ball, it's crazy that they have so many opportunities to even turn it over, right? They're not moving the ball down the field at all, and they're still turning it over in the red zone, which was crazy, which we'll touch on in a little bit, but... Yeah, I mean, he, you, like you said uh, to me before the show, he kind of went after Grant there a little bit. And we've seen Grant get benched. I don't know that that's going to be really an option at this point <laughs> because of the depth. Um, so I don't expect him to you know, miss any time because of that. But he's got to figure out that fumbling issue. We saw Emmett Johnson go in, look pretty good in a couple runs. And then he dropped one on the ground. And then Harburg threw an interception. So a really bad week for the offense turnover-wise. They were lucky that it didn't impact the game at all pretty much. That should have been a 30-point win, to be completely frank. Uh, anything else from that press conference that you wanted to touch on? Yep, that's about it. Awesome. So let's move into the Illinois game. What a win. I've said this over and over, but that was a program-defining moment for Matt Rule. That was a must-win game. He had to have that one on the resume. We talked about it all week last week. You go into the bye week 3-3, three and three, you have a chance to regroup with We'll talk about this as well. Seriously winnable games coming up on the horizon. If they had lost that game, especially in the fashion they turned the ball over, there would have been a lot of questions. A lot of people probably pegging for Matt Rule's head already if they had found a way to blow that one away. But they didn't. And that was the biggest takeaway for me. They had so many opportunities to let Illinois climb back into the game. And guess who stepped up? That Nebraska defense. This is not something we've seen since... You know the early two, you know the late two thousands, right? This defense finding a way to overcome the offensive ineptitude is incredible. In twenty twenty one, they had a solid defense, but the offense was so uh, turnover prone and unclutch in big moments that the defense couldn't help them out. Last year, the defense was horrible, but this year they found their stride, and it is absolutely incredible what they've been able to do. Um, what was your takeaway from that game? 
Yeah, I, I also agree with you. I mean, the defense was just outstanding, especially coming at, off of the Mi- Michigan game where we knew we had we knew they had a good defense mm-hmm. going in, but Michigan kind of exposed them in many aspects, especially in the run game, already beating their uh, run rushing yards allowed total in I think their second drive of the game. Mm-hmm. But their ability to respond, holding Illinois to just to just 21 rushing yards uh, through this game. And then, of course, towards the end of the game, towards the second half, when the offense started turning the ball over. Even this season, we've seen the defense bail out the offense so much, but then just ultimately break. Like the ending of the Minnesota Mm -hmm. game, the second half of the Colorado game. uh, Nebraska's defense was able to stay strong all four quarters of the game against Illinois, which really, um, again, especially bringing in the offensive struggles, really brings hope into this Nebraska team going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Illinois team is not great. By any, They're pretty bad. Uh, not at all what we saw from them last year. However, still a Big Ten West team, right? And those games, no matter who you're playing, will always be struggles. They're always going to be ugly. Unfortunately, we don't get to see any more of those games next year because of the removal of the division. But, right, that like you said, that Minnesota game, very similar kind of deal, right? Nebraska had a lot of opportunities, turned the ball over way too much, and let Minnesota creep back into that game, where Nebraska should have won that game by two touchdowns. That same script could have easily happened on Friday night in Champaign, and it did not, which shows me that there's been a lot of growth over the past six weeks. The Michigan game was a huge setback, obviously, but that team looks to be the, I think, the best team in the country. If not, you know, if they're not one, they're definitely two, tied up with there with Georgia. Michigan has demolished everyone, including Minnesota, who they just killed last week. So that win is almost a scratch at the, or that loss is almost a scratch at this point. But the growth we've seen to go from, like you said, Minnesota, where the defense was not able to save the offense to this time they were, that's what I've seen. And that, that shows me that what Matt Rule has been, you know, preaching this whole time is starting to pay off absolutely a tone setting win. Now let's look towards the future, right? Uh, we'll, we'll touch a couple th- more things on the Illinois game, but I kind of want to look at this through the bye week lens. The, going forward, there are winnable games, and that starts this week against Northwestern. Northwestern barely beat Howard this last weekend. Um, they are not much of a threat at all, and I think Nebraska can easily handle them if things go their way. You look past that, it's Purdue, who lost to Iowa without allowing a catch to a wide receiver, and six completed passes. Iowa has arguably, I don't even think arguably, I think Iowa's offense is even worse than Nebraska at this point with the backup quarterback. That team lost to Iowa. So that's easily two very winnable games coming up right on this horizon. Do you think that this win over Illinois will kind of set the tone going forward and move out of the bye, possibly to go to 5-3? and three? I do. I think... At the end of the day, it's going to come down to if the offense can limit turnovers. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the hits at receiver have really affected the offense. Uh, then, of course, we don't know who is going to be our starting quarter, who's going to be their starting quarterback, uh, either with Rule still saying that Sims is getting be- better and better and being a more viable option. But when I look at Nebraska, they're second in the Big Ten in rushing defense, and especially now with the receivers going down, they're going to be calling on Grant. They're going to be calling on Emmett Johnson more than ever. 
And it's just a matter of fact on if they can hold on to the football. Mm-hmm. It's really going to make or break these next couple games. Again, you talked about uh, how bad Purdue and Northwestern have kind of struggled on both sides of the ball. So I can see the defense holding their end of the stick. It's just whether or not the offense can produce some winning football without turning the ball over. It's up to the offense, and, and that's going to be the theme going forward. Going to be even more smash-mouth football without now Washington, who, to be honest, wasn't really involved that much this season. So it is a huge loss to the potential of this offense, but from what they've done so far, he has not been a huge piece. Had some really great catches. I've wanted them to get him way more involved. Unfortunately, now that's not an option. But it's going to be even more smash-mouth football. It's what Matt Rule has wanted to do this whole time, and they need to execute without the fumbles and without the interceptions. Um, I absolutely think this is a, a bull team at this point, if everything going forward. Um, there is a serious opportunity here to get to six wins. There's an opportunity to get to six wins before Maryland even comes to town. You move into the last three games, six and three, I think they can easily get to seven wins against Maryland, Wisconsin, or Iowa, none of which look great. They're all better than Nebraska, in my opinion, but they're definitely winnable games. This week is going to be important. How does the team respond from, hey, that was an ugly, ugly win at Illinois, right? There were a lot of things that did not go our way. However, unlike against Colorado, unlike against Minnesota, they were able to pull out the win against a Power 5 opponent, their first one against a Power 5 opponent. How do they respond this week? I think that's going to be critical in what Matt Rule's trying to do going forward. He has set the tone, and that practice, um, you know, that Sunday practice that he talked about all week, it paid off. It clearly paid off. The physicality was there. The intensity was there, and there wasn't this sense of dread that we've seen from so many Nebraska teams in the past. Moving forward, that same intensity has to stay around because Purdue and Northwestern, can stick around with you, right? This is a Big Ten West team. This is a Nebraska team who has a horrible offense. So they need to move out of this bye week on kind of that same intensity. Now, we got to talk about this defense. We touched on it a little bit. Incredible performance. I want to. I would just want to give Tony White his flowers. Uh, I talked about this in my column after the game. This guy came from Syracuse, took a, the same job at a you know better program to try to get his name out there, and boy, has he done that. I would not be surprised if this man is a head coach of a football team within the next few years. Not ideal for Nebraska with Matt Rule because I'm sure they want to keep him around. Might take a, a, a you know, he's not going to take a pay cut. Let's just say that. Um, he hasn't got his guys yet, right? He's had one offseason, hasn't got to go on the recruiting trail. Next season, showing what he's been able to do with this kind of hodgepodge of guys, mixing in so many different pieces, losing guys to injury, losing guys to off the field things putting it all together and really putting together one of the best defenses in the country, save for the Michigan game, we'll see going forward. But there's no great offenses coming up. Maryland's the best one. Outside of that, really nothing that catches my eye at all. So there's opportunity here to really end the season as one of the best units in the country. You were out Singleton. You were out Reimer once again. And at this time, it did not make a big difference. I think one of the coolest things for me is the way that he has been able to utilize these true freshmen, right? I kind of forget sometimes. We I talked about this last week. Cam Lenhart, what a big, what a big piece to come back in this game, right? And you're like, that guy's that guy was playing high school football a year ago, right? But he has become a key part of this defense. Princewell got in, uh, got in some action. Van Poppel has been huge on the defensive line. So 
Tony White has made this defensive uh, unit uh, come together. And what showed me what he's been able to do was that stop on fourth and one at the goal line. Um, what was like? What was your reaction when you saw that play go down there? Yeah, that was definitely probably the play of the game. Really, mm-hmm. it really set the tone for not only uh, Nebraska's defense but Illinois's offense the rest of the game. For them to go down on the first drive, get all the way to the one yard line, it gets stopped back to back plays. And it, like you said, it was a freshman. Van Poppel was. The main guy up front, him and Ty Robinson, both uh, really stuffed Illinois there. And, yeah, just I don't think Nebraska's defense last year no, makes that stop. Not at all. To be fair, I, they probably won't even get to a fourth and one mm-hmm. at the one-yard line. So it's a super game-changing play. And, yeah, I mean, this defense has just been spectacular so far. Mm-hmm. To show that kind of gall where in the past it would have been a moment of like, oh, they're driving down the field. It's over. We, we struggled last week to stop them. This week's going to be just the same. No, they got to the one-yard line and said, hey, this is where it stops. This is where this drive stops. What a huge, huge moment for that team, and it really did set the tone for that game. They got pressure all night, just like we expected them to, against a poor Illinois line. They make Luke Altmaier uncomfortable all night. And outside of that one deep touchdown, which, by the way, was in pretty good coverage. It was just single coverage, and he just beat him. That's going to happen. The Blackshirts completely stifled the pass game, and the run game was non-existent. There were, Illinois was dealing with injuries, which is understandable, but there was just nothing going on. Seven points is an incredible outing on the road on a short week off of a huge demoralizing loss. They finally got those takeaways like you were talking about. That dam started to kind of open. We will see if that continues over the next couple weeks. Surely that's got to be a priority for this defense saying, hey, like Tony White's, I, I feel like Tony White's guys, the guys like, hey, you see what the offense has done. You love those guys, but at the end of the day, you know they are not going to have your back when you need it the most, which means you have to have theirs. And that's what they've done so far at most points this season. I expect that can, to continue. Uh, some great performances. Isaac Gifford, what a night for him. It, it was so incredible to watch this team fly around. It really looked like they had earlier in the season, which makes me really believe that the messaging this week were, turned out. Now let's talk about the offense. Uh, not a great night for them. What was your biggest concern offensively for Nebraska? I mean, sound like a broken record, but it's obviously turnovers here. I think the first half, the offense wasn't that bad. They were able to put mm-hmm. together a few touchdown drives. Obviously, uh, the Harburg touchdown one was – kind of uh, in thanks to the botched kickoff yeah. return by Illinois. But second half, I mean, the defense was doing their job. The defense was setting the Nebraska offense up with outstanding field position, more than enough um, uh, space to get more points on the board, add to their lead, and they just were not able to do it. I mean, again, the fumbling issues, like Anthony Grant – only averaged 2.8 yards a carry, I'm looking up. Just not ideal for a team that, especially, wow, yes, it's good to go into the bye week with a win, but, man, it could, fe- it w- could feel great oh, if yeah. they were able to just hold on to the ball second half, not leave points on the board, but yeah, obviously couldn't. That's a 40-7 to win in most. If you hold on to the ball, it's a 40-7 to win, at least 30-7. to 20-7 looks a lot less impressive. 
Now, at this point, I don't think Nebraska fans can be very picky. That's a game that they've lost so many times before, so it's good to escape with a win. However, it is concerning to say, hey, if the defense has an off night, the offense is still going to turn the ball over four times, not be able to move it down the field in the second half. The good thing that I saw was they didn't start slow. That was That's kind of been a concern this year where they really could not score any points in the first half. That was actually the first time they'd scored points in the first half against a, a Power 5 team. They did not score in the first half against Minnesota, Colorado, or Michigan. So they finally kind of broke through on that. Two good drives early. Obviously, some of that was scripted, and so hard to know how much of a good takeaway that is, and Illinois' defense isn't very good. Then it kind of stalled in the second half. Did not look good. There was kind of a point where I just was like, man, this defense got to feel. They're, they've got to be exhausted coming out so quickly, given the, given the offense field position, and then immediately giving it back and being and kind of being stuck behind the numbers there. I think my concern with this game was Harburg, there were times where he just missed the read and threw it balls that should have been intercepted. He finally gave one away later. But there was a drive there where he threw three balls in a row that should have been picked off. He was lucky that none of them were. That's not going to be the case going forward. He's going to he's going to have some issues there if he continues to throw those kind of balls. There was promising stuff early. The throw to Washington was great. The touchdown run was incredible. That is the kind of stuff that he's able to do. However, the decision-making was just not there at times. What was your you – know, what did you think of Harburg's performance? Yeah, I mean – you can tell as the weeks go on, he plays with more and more confidence. Absolutely. And while that could be a good thing, that also means that <laughs> I mean, he's not afraid to force any balls in now. I mean, like you said, the three-play sequence should have been three interceptions for Illinois, but luckily they fell incomplete. So it really just, as good as he has looked in moments, he is far from perfect and really – Makes you wonder if Jeff Sims ever gets to true 100%. Harburg's going to throw one of these bad turnovers. He's going to throw mm-hmm. a bad ball that gets picked off. Will it be Jeff Sims taking the snaps the next drive after that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I, It's so hard to know what Rule is actually thinking because you could tell when he says we're, we're going to go with whatever guy gives us the best chance to win. We know he doesn't actually mean that. He, he has an idea of who he wants to be out there. If it's Sims, then Sims isn't ready. If it's Harburg, then he's just really not telling us that Sims is ready. Um, yeah, it's it's tough because he's three and one. It's been a while since we've seen a Nebraska quarterback go three and one. Granted, against pretty poor opponents, but the wins are wins. And the goal of this season is get to a bowl game. He's been able to do that. There's two kind of sides for me. Sims lost the Minnesota game in my eyes. That is a win with Harburg at quarterback from what we've seen so far. However, Sims may have also won the last those three games as well, right? Sims could have easily beat Northern Illinois, Louisiana Tech, and Illinois. Although we don't know. Maybe Sims throws four picks against Illinois. You know, Harburg had some bad throws. Sims could have had some even worse throws that, you know, went back to the for a pick six or, you know, he fumbles in his own end zone again. So it's hard to really know. I'm still sticking with Harburg going forward until he has a really bad game, especially just because you need him to just control the game, and I don't think Sims necessarily has that. But the confidence has been there for sure. Early, 
we saw him dial up some throws that we have not seen so far. Um, the deep ball, the sidearm fling, that was kind of just like a moment where he's like, all right, this is my offense. So I'm wondering if there's kind of that narrative in the locker room where he knows this is his team and he's not so worried to make mistakes that may come to some questionable decisions. But Satterfield definitely let him throw the ball a little bit more, especially in the first half. I want to talk about Satterfield because I'm not a huge fan of what he's done so far. And I know there's a lot of fans that are very critical of what his play calling style is. However, you gotta you got to give the guy a break. The cards he's been dealt are horrible, right? So I think he's done a solid job with what he's been, what he's had to deal with so far. Very poor QB room that's turnover prone, shallow wide receiver depth that's gotten even shallower as the season has gone on, injuries all over the board, an offensive line that is better than it has been, but still not anywhere close to great, and running back depth, again, injuries all across the board. So I, I, I'm actually commending his performance so far. We don't know what he's going to look like with his system fully in place, and that's going to be a question for the future. But after one offseason, dealing with the regime, you know, all these players are pretty much the past regime's players, you know, minus Sims, who's not even, who's not even playing. So um, I'm, I'm not too concerned about that. What are your thoughts about the offensive play calling and that? Yeah, obviously there would be a lot to be improved on, uh, as fans have called for, as again you just mentioned there. But I mean, he's had really Satterfield has had tough luck mm-hmm. this year with just the injuries. I mean, you're going out there this week with most likely a true freshman starting outside at receiver. Um, you have a running back with uh, turnover problems who is going to be relied on to get the bulk of the carries. And again, who knows, a questionable quarterback room. Mm. So it'll be really, really interesting to see how this bye week has helped treat uh, him and the rest of the offense, see if there's any adjustments made now that they're playing so shorthanded. And it, it just – Northwestern is going to be a very interesting game and is going to say a lot about the offense for the second half of the season. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, you got it's not his fault when when you drop the ball inside your own, you know, 25. It's not his fault when there's an easy up the middle carry and it just goes on the ground, right? So, those are the kind of things that we can't criticize him for. There has been some questionable play calling and I'm not the biggest fan of it, but with with what he's got, there's definitely some growth that can be had. Northwestern's next absolutely huge matchup once again we're gonna say it every week I think for these next two games these are must-win games if they want to get to a bowl game they're not able to do that I'm not sure that they're gonna be able to put it put together any down the stretch what's kind of your prediction for the rest of the season at this point yeah these next two games I said it last week that the Illinois game will make or break their season it made their season for a couple more weeks (laughs) I think these next two games are ultimately gonna uh, determine what goes on here but I these are two very winnable t- games both at home both against opponents who haven't looked the best all year have struggled against lesser competition so I think if the offense is able to bounce back from these from all the adversity that it's faced and kept keep the ball turnover free keep the ball off the ground um, I think the, the defense is more than willing to step up and carry the offense to some low-scoring victories. But 
yeah, I can see I can see this really going either way. I, I have faith, though, in the offense being able to fix their problems, and I can see us being fi- I can see them being five and three in a couple weeks. I can as well. Two weeks to prepare for Northwestern. Northwestern also gets two two weeks to prepare for Nebraska. It's going to be a hostile environment. The crowd is going to be excited to actually see a winning team walk into Memorial Stadium. I don't know when the last time that has happened. There's a chance for that. And then homecoming game. We don't know if it, what time the kickoff's going to be yet. Um, I'm hoping for a night game just because I think that would be fun. But there's a volleyball game that night, so we're not sure yet. Still TBD. But that chance for a homecoming game against Purdue to go to 5-3, and three, that, that environment would be incredible. So absolutely must win again this week for Northwestern. We're going to keep against Northwestern. We're going to keep saying that. But I think it's, high, it's very doable as well as Purdue. Um, so I still think this team can make a bowl game. My season prediction was 7-5. Um, and five. I'm still probably going to stick with 6-6 six and six at this point. But there are winnable games on the horizon. Anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? Nope. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening. Next week will be a big one. We'll preview that Northwestern game and the Nebraska versus Wisconsin volleyball game. What a day that's going to be here in Lincoln, Nebraska. Once again, thank you so much for listening. We will see you then.